the Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Analysis, discussion. It's the Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R O N N I E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. We're today on the podcast. Gonna make a interesting ploy here to try to convince you why the Denver Broncos are going to take a player that you thought that was not going to be available when the Denver Broncos come drafting. Now, I have some interesting scenarios that I want to throw out there, and it involves one of the best defensive players in the draft. Yes, I said defense, not offense. Not wide receiver. You know, we've been talking about the wide receiver position basically ad nauseum for the last month. But some interesting comments from Vic Fangio and John Elway who have talked, and maybe not direct comments, but just the vibe I get when hearing them on their pre-draft pressers and what they've been saying and discussing lately in the offseason. It's, it's kind of got me leaning towards them looking at the idea of best player available being the pick. Now, if you were the Denver Broncos, obviously there's a big need at wide receiver. But I want to entertain something else today, and I threw this up on Twitter, at Ronnie K Radio, that's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio, on Twitter, where I got this gut feeling. Something about Vic Fangio and John Elway and what they've said, talking about maybe potentially best player available... Well, I would guess that of all the players on their board, when it comes to uh, you know looking at uh, who they like most and going down from there, I'm guessing Isaiah Simmons, the hybrid tweener out of Clemson, is probably the number one guy on their board. This is a guy who, let's talk about Simmons for a second, 21 years old, he plays linebacker, he plays safety, he plays corner, he plays nickel, he plays literally everything. Now, he's officially listed as a linebacker, but this is the tweener Swiss Army knife that is going to begin, you're going to start to see this position a lot more in the NFL. An absolute freak of an athlete, Isaiah Simmons is. And in an increasingly positionless world, it, it's Isaiah Simmons is really a glimpse of the future with the NFL because of what he can do from lining up in at safety to throwing him in the corner. Uh, I mean, you can really do everything. Uh, a blazing uh, speedster who has great cover skills. I mean, he is everything you ever wanted in a defensive player. And it's kind of absurd that we talk about him like this. He really is a unicorn. Uh, somebody who was a former high school a long jumper. Uh, that Those hops have, tr- have uh, transitioned to the football field in his corner skills. He has incredible vision. He's played at a high level, and at Clemson, uh, this is one of the best players in the NFL draft and arguably the best defensive player. Now, of course, in the NFL, this is such a, a unique situation because, you know, usually when you ha- when you look at the NFL draft, you see these different players and you say, okay, well, this player's going to fit here, this player's going to fit there, and, and how they would be utilized in these different teams. This is where I, I want to discuss and, and start because, you know, this positionless world that the NFL is in, I don't know if the NFL is truly ready and or understood 
how this transition has happened yet. Uh, you know, the NFL is is this copycat league, but it takes some time for that copying and that understanding to really make a print on the league because this is an NFL that likes to see rock solid evidence before they act. And so, you know, when you're talking about a NFL uh, player to, to potentially compare him to, you really can't find one. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick, who of course was taken in the first round about two years, two, three years ago. Uh, of course, uh, he's moved on from Pittsburgh to Miami, signing a big deal, very versatile weapon for them as well, too, is maybe your best comparison but even so Isaiah Simmons takes it to another level and while this is it's funny because we talk about this in such a uh, positive way you know you, I'm raving like he should be the number one pick overall but there are certain circumstances that surround this and maybe even certain head coaches that might be scared of something like this because he is not exactly a linebacker he is not exactly a safety he is not exactly a corner and so you start to piece these things together and if if you're a defensive coordinator and a head coach who doesn't know how to get the best out of him all of a sudden you start to think well boy I, you know maybe we should just take the safer pick you know particularly in a year like this year where of course we're dealing with the virtual draft we're dealing with a lot of teams who may be just sticking to a clean cut board that fits what their team is trying to do and they don't want to experiment more so insert Denver and this is where it gets interesting because Vic Fangio is known for the the creativity and the flexibility and liking this kind of stuff this is why they brought in Kareem Jackson last year you know Kareem Jackson is this guy who can play the corner but also safety somebody who's very flexible can move him around Isaiah Simmons would be this ball of clay that the mastermind ceramic artist Vic Fangio could take and start to mold and it would be so much fun to watch so much fun to watch and you could argue that the one person to take Isaiah Simmons to the next level more than anybody else in the league is Vic Fangio and now you start to think okay well Denver you know is he going to be are they going to be high enough to take him is he going to be available certainly I'll say this He's not available at 15, okay? And he's probably not available at 10. This is where a trade-up is going to be demanded. And we've discussed this in the past with podcasts. You know, offense is such a massive need for Denver. Would you trade that idea of picking up Henry Ruggs, picking up Jerry Judy, or a C.D. Lamb for the idea of selecting Isaiah Simmons? Now, we go back to the big board, and I say, hey, who are the best players on this board for the Denver Broncos? And you start to look at the individual talent. Now, certainly the three wide receivers, they are going to be up there. But you can make an argument that Isaiah Simmons is ranked above those three head and shoulders because of what Denver is trying to do. You also add into the fact that Denver is lucky that this is a very deep wide receiver class that's all we've talked about ad nauseum is the idea that this is such a deep wide receiver class well now all of a sudden maybe you get that starter in the early second round and maybe you have to trade up in the second round to go get your guy but maybe we talk about a Denzel Mims you know maybe a Jalen Rager maybe a player that otherwise of that talent caliber would not have been available there if it wasn't for the deep wide receiver class so now you, you check that 
box off when it comes to that wide receiver position because you're always thinking of the consequences for every pick that you make. If you make this pick with Isaiah Simmons, well, then all of a sudden you say, okay, well, the wide receiver position is going to suffer because we don't get the Jerry Judy or we don't get the Henry Ruggs. But what happens if we do get the best player available and Isaiah Simmons is a potential future Hall of Famer? I mean, that's that's how some scouts are talking about him. That's how good this guy is. And now all of a sudden we say, well, you know, we're, we're downgrading a wide receiver, but the downgrade drop-off isn't that bad because the production and the depth of this draft is so deep at the wide receiver position. Now, let's talk about the draft order, and let's talk about the scenarios that could possibly happen. And I threw out a, a top 15 mock. You're going to see some top 15 mocks from myself on the Twitter account. So if you want to check it out, at Ronnie K Radio, that's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio, on Twitter. I think it's pretty clear that the top six is pretty rock solid. Okay, when it comes to this NFL draft in no particular order and maybe only one pick at number four. And we'll get to this in a second, being a little basically choosing between two different players. I I have mocked Joe Burrow to the Bengals at number one for the last couple months. I think this is a very clear pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. They need a new future. Joe Burrow is that future at number one. Number two, the Washington Redskins can't afford to not go with Chase Young. He is the best defensive player on the board. And particularly for the Redskins, look, uh, they have their quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, you have to believe in that guy. You you could argue that there is some thought to protecting him, but Chase Young is, is just too good of a prospect to pass up. They pick him at number two. Number three, the Detroit Lions, and this is where it gets a little interesting. I think there's actually going to be a trade here, and the Lions have been rumored to be potentially involved in trade discussions, and I think it makes sense for the Los Angeles Chargers to trade up from 6 to 3, they don't have to give up a ton, okay? The the price is not going to be super high and it makes a ton of sense for Detroit to move back as well too because of the teams that are selecting at 4 and 5. Now the Lions are going to want Jeff Akuda. That that is pretty clear uh put that in ink. They could still get Jeff Akuda at 6 with a trade down from number three. Now, the trade up from number three for the Chargers is going to mean that they're going to have to give up some picks. Now, of course, Jimmy Johnson is famed to have put together the draft pick value chart uh, from his early 90s tenure as head coach of the Cowboys. It's supposed to give this representation of what the value is for each pick. If you follow this as gospel, this basically means that the Giants, or, or excuse me, the Detroit Lions with the top three pick would have a pick valued at 2200 while the Chargers would have a pick valued at 1600 This would probably mean the Chargers giving up a pick this year as well as a pick next year. But if you're the L.A. Chargers and you're moving into, you're trying to capture the L.A. market. You are trying to capture a new audience. You've got the new uniforms. You've got a new location, the stadium, and everything that's going on away from the football field. And then you trade, you get rid of Phillip Rivers, and you don't pick up your future? I don't buy it. I think the the Chargers are very much all in on Justin Herbert. Uh, obviously, the two names that are being discussed to a tongue of Viola and Justin Herbert, but y- you look at how some of the writers 
how some of the reports have been. And it just seems like they've been on this tale of Justin Herbert the whole time. That's just the vibe that I get. And you start to hear about these rumors, and they may be smokescreens. They may be smokescreens with the idea that, well, you know, Miami may be interested in in, uh, Justin Herbert, and they could pick him at five. The Chargers then ensure that they get their guy at number three if they trade up with the Detroit Lions. If you're the Detroit Lions by trading down, no cons here. The Giants are going to go offensive line with their fourth overall pick. I think it's going to be Jedrick Wills Jr., of course, at Alabama. Head coach has some ties there. You could also see Tristan Wirfs at this position. And then if you're the Miami Dolphins, I don't think you can afford to do anything other than quarterback with the Miami Dolphins. Now, I suppose there is a slight risk here if you are the Detroit Lions by trading down because the Dolphins, if they truly did want Justin Herbert, then all of a sudden maybe they look at the idea of trading down if they don't love Tua Tunga Viola. But boy, it's hard to say that you don't love Tua Tunga Viola and you don't pick him at five and he is your future. I think that's what the Miami Dolphins ended up going with. The Lions now at number six pick Jeff Akuda, the guy they originally were going to pick at three. They pick up some extra assets. Everybody wins. That's your rock solid six, in my opinion. I think this is a very, I think you can lock this in depending on how things move around. Uh, you could see the Lions pick Jeff Akuda at three and say, we just want our guy. Don't worry about the extra assets. I understand that. The Dolphins pick their guy at five, whether quarterback Justin Herbert or quarterback Tua Tunga Viola. And then at six, the uh, the Chargers then pick the leftover quarterback it, it doesn't feel good to pick the second guy or the leftover guy because he may not have been your original choice, but certainly they get a quarterback for the future. At seven with Carolina is where it gets interesting. Now, Matt Rule, the head coach in, in Carolina, is certainly going to be looking at uh, defense as they have been pretty decimated over the years. They've got their quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, and they want to start to improve that defense. They're, re- they're really looking for a defensive identity. Derek Brown is the commonly mocked player here for the Carolina Panthers, and I think for a couple good reasons. Uh, Derek Brown, the defensive tackle, is is a tremendous player out of Auburn, 6'5", 317. And particularly for Matt Rule, this is right up his alley. Rule has been a defensive line coach for many, many years in college, in the NFL. And again, I go back to that thought process and the idea of, you know, Isaiah Simmons is this do-it-all kind of player, but is this somebody that Matt Rule, who we're, we're still looking to see how creative Matt Rule is in, as a head coach, is this a project that he wants to take on immediately? I think the safer pick here is Derek Brown, and I think this is where you get into that, that same kind of concept of, you know, a, a first-year head coach, is this something that they want to get into and kind of gamble on because I'm not sure if Matt Rule wants to do that. And if you are Carolina, you are totally happy with Derek Brown. This is somebody who uh, you could argue falls to them. And you say, boy, we like this pick a lot. We like this kid. It's right up our wheelhouse. We can do a lot of great things with him. And you lock him in at seven. That then puts Arizona on the clock at eight. Arizona has a lot of opportunities here. Uh, First, they can trade out. And Arizona has, uh, I think it's been more of a smokescreen 
when it comes to the the very small murmurs of Arizona potentially trading out. But you really have to make it a, a, a decision here. Are you going offense or are you going defense? Now, Cliff Kingsbury being the offensive guru, I don't think it's going to be somebody who wants to lean defense unless it made a ton of sense. The guy who makes more sense is the great left tackle in Tristan Wirfs that is still available, as of course Jedrick Wills Jr. was taken by the Giants at number four. Wirfs would complete a offensive rejuvenation for this Arizona Cardinals team, who of course picked up New Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, in a laughable trade with the Houston Texans. And now all of a sudden you've got your franchise wide receiver. You've got your franchise quarterback and you have a franchise tackle to protect him. I think this is too sexy for the Arizona Cardinals to pass up. And I think you really like the idea that you're building this offensive core because this is how you're going to win in the NFC and in the NFL in general. The NFL is an arms race. And I think if you are the Arizona Cardinals, because you've found your bona fide guy at quarterback and you've picked up the wide receiver, you make the complete step and you say, hey, this offseason was our offensive offseason to set us up for the next five, ten years uh, to, to follow up from the quarterback that we took in the previous year, and Tristan Wirfs is the pick at eight. Now, all of a sudden, if you're Denver, you're starting to say, boy, things are getting sexy and sexier for you to potentially trade up and grab your guy in Isaiah Simmons. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars hold the pick at nine. The Jaguars are going to be interested in Javon Kinlaw, the South Carolina a defensive lineman who would just be a great fit for Jacksonville. But Jacksonville is also looking to pick up and acquire picks. A trade down, I think, here is very, very likely. Very likely. And this is where Denver is going to have to blow Jacksonville away and say, hey, we want that number nine pick because we want to get up and, and grab Isaiah Simmons. Uh, the wide receiver is an interesting position, but there are going to be some guys in the second and third round that we like. We want to go ahead and plug in the dynamic incredible talent that we believe Isaiah Simmons could be and now all of a sudden look at a defensive core of Justin Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, Bradley Chubb, and Von Miller. I mean call them the Fab Four. My God that would be an incredible defensive unit to trot out along with some pretty talented players in Shelby Harris, Jarrell Casey. I mean we can't forget Kareem Jackson. I mean uh, Bryce Callahan. In a AFC West, where it is likely that you're going to see a rookie quarterback starting for the Chargers, you're going to see Patrick Mahomes twice a year. And look, Derek Carr is a pretty solid option over there with Las Vegas. I don't know how you not do this if you're Denver, with the idea that you could pick up the best potential opportunities uh, to thrive on defense and set yourself up for years and years of being the defensive identity team while Drew Locke grows. And of course, you know, you're going to help out Drew Locke in that second, third, fourth round. And maybe you essentially turn all eyes on offense, you know, because you did a lot of work on defense, but you're essentially completing the defense. And boy, this is an interesting, interesting scenario. Now, draft value-wise, chart-wise, the number nine pick overall with Jacksonville sits at a value of 1350 
Okay, Denver's pick, their first overall, their first round pick, 15th, is 1050. So you really only have to make up a 250 point uh, uh, deficit. Uh, excuse me, 300 point. Math is hard. I, I swear I, I can do math. A 300 point deficit. Okay, the value of Denver's second round pick is valued at 440. Their third round picks. Uh, and of course they have multiple ones, value at 205, 175, and 120. So Denver's got a lot of opportunities here in just the third round to say, hey, we're going to give you a third round pick and maybe a later fourth or fifth, and maybe we'll swap sixth and seventh round picks. And then all of a sudden this deal comes together. Denver's first, a third and swap late picks to acquire one of those swapped late picks. And then of course the ninth pick overall in which becomes Isaiah Simmons. I think this is an absolutely um, doable deal for the Denver Broncos to make. They move up to nine with Jacksonville, a partner that they've already made a deal with. So there is a past there. Of course, Denver trading for AJ Boye. Denver gets the number nine pick with Isaiah Simmons, and Jacksonville gets extra assets, moves back to 15. And again, at 15, you're looking at a potential draft pick in Javon Kinlaw, potentially C.J. Henderson. I mean, there are still some solid players there at nine for Jacksonville to pick. Now, I have it continually mocked, and I'll finish out my top 15. And then, of course, I want your responses on Twitter, at Ronnie K Radio. I do have the 49ers trading up with Cleveland. I think Cleveland's going to be very active in this draft and trading down to acquire more assets. Number 10, I have them uh, uh, moving up to select Henry Ruggs, the wide receiver out of Alabama. And that starts the run on wide receivers. C.D. Lamb at 11 with the Jets. Jerry Judy at 12 with the Las Vegas Raiders. Number 13 with which was, again, the Cleveland Browns moving back from the 49ers, trade back one more time, and then they acquire the Falcons pick. I believe the Falcons picking at 16. Falcons move up to 13 to secure their guy, a a cornerback that they've been looking to pick up in C.J. Henderson. Ideally, they want Jeff Okuda, but of course, this is not going to be doable for the Falcons to trade up that high. They get the second best one at number 13 with C.J. Henderson. 14, I think, is a no-brainer with Andrew Thomas, the best offensive lineman available. Simply put, protect Tom Brady and his new toy in Rob Gronkowski. Tampa Bay at number 14 goes with the offensive lineman. And then the Jaguars at 15. Boy, Javon Kinlaw just happens to slip right to their lap at 15. They trade down and pick the same guy that they were going to pick at nine, pick up an extra third-round pick from Denver, as well as some upgrades in the later draft. I think this is a top 15 that could easily fall this way, and it would be really interesting to see because there's a lot of win-wins here. There's a lot of win-wins from the Chargers moving up to three, the Lions moving to six, still getting their guy, picking up extra assets. I think the one hurdle here is seven and eight with Derek Brown at seven and Tristan Wirfs at eight. Does Carolina want to go with the defensive lineman and Derek Brown, or would they gamble on that versatility and say, you know what, we can make Isaiah Simmons into a star? Would Arizona pick defense over offense? Now, Again, thinking of Cliff Kingsbury with the idea of he wants to complete that offense, you already know that that's a desire of his. And would he pass the final say 
to the defensive coordinator in Arizona, which uh, I'm not sure if I'm not allowed to say his name. Um, Vance Joseph. Would he pass that power to Vance Joseph? I don't know if he would. I think it's a lot more entertaining with the idea that you pick the Tristan Wirf still available at eight. And then all of a sudden, look again, there's a lot of odds here. A lot of things that got to happen. But boy, Denver at nine, you trade up, you've got the ammo. You go get arguably the best defensive player in this draft and maybe the best fit of the top ten when it comes to the team, what they're seeking, and what they could be doing. And Denver, for maybe the first time, since 2015, can say that they've built a defense that arguably may rival that kind of talent, that kind of collection of players, and they've got the right guy pulling the trigger in Vic Fangio. You know, I I thought this was a a very um, productive defense uh, offseason, a productive offseason for the defense in picking up A.J. Boye, the guy that Fangio has liked for many, many years. Jarrell Casey, I think, is arguably going to be the best move this offseason because of the value that they gave away. I mean, they gave away nothing to get Jarrell Casey, a five-time Pro Bowler and somebody who's going to lock it down on the line. You retain Shelby Harris, which was not expected, and then all of a sudden you insert arguably the best player in the draft, who could be a day one starter moving all over the field. Lot to like. And by the way, don't forget, Bryce Callahan is basically a free agent acquisition because Bryce Callahan didn't play last year. And if Bryce Callahan returns to that form of arguably being the best nickel corner, and maybe you move guys around, maybe uh, you move Isaiah Simmons into the safety position and Kareem Jackson slides down and, and, and moves into a corner position, or maybe vice versa, maybe Bryce Callahan plays on the edge and Isaiah Simmons is in the corner, you're moving things around, you're playing man zone. I mean, there are so many complex things, but in Vic Fangio's world, this is right up his wheelhouse. And this is exactly what he wants to be able to do, is move guys around based on what he sees, and boy... What a sexy, sexy pairing that would be. Gets you excited if you're a Denver Broncos fan because then you start to look into the second round and you say, boy, there's still wide receivers available. There's still the Jalen Ragers, the Denzel Mims, who a lot of people are very high on. And it gets a, it gets really exciting, I think, if you're a Denver fan with the idea that you could put together this kind of core of defensive players and still have the opportunity to pick up your wide receiver a little bit later because you're taking advantage of that draft. Yes, you are passing up the high-profile name, but if the high-profile name doesn't turn out, well, then what was the point of that pick? If you find yourself the best player available, and it goes back to what I've been saying all offseason long, if you are the Denver Broncos this year, you are looking at quality, not quantity. Pick quality, not quantity. They don't need 10 players. They need five starters. And if Denver continually moves up and takes advantage of the fact that they have all these extra assets from the trade last year with Pittsburgh to, to trade down to 20 from 10, the, the trade that sent Emmanuel Sanders to the San Francisco 49ers and all these different assets that they've collected, they've started to utilize these to pick up these players in Jarrell Casey and A.J. Boye, but continue to do that. 
in the NFL draft and maybe going up and, and picking Isaiah Simmons, boy, the the sky-high ceiling. The potential is the size of the moon. And, boy, Denver could be howling at the end of the year if they've got a defense that is just bona fide with a bunch of stars and Vic Fangio, the mastermind, pulling the trigger at uh, the helm. So it's going to be interesting to see how Denver goes with the NFL draft. And, of course, we will be talking all about the NFL draft with uh, our our extravaganza that we're hosting Thursday night, 6 o'clock. I will be on Mile High Sports Radio, FM 1047, AM 1340. Find us at milehighsports.com. Streaming this live at milehighsports.com. Lots of video content, lots of written content. Be sure to go check it out. And, uh, of course, if you like the podcast, you can check out previous versions of the podcast and give us a rating. If you like us, give us five stars on the many places that you can find this podcast at Spreaker, Stitch, or Spotify, iTunes, MileHighSports.com. A lot to like and a lot to check out. A lot to consume this time of year. I know it's a, a tough time with everybody stuck inside of COVID-19, but hey, you got a lot of time on your hands. Go read up at uh, MileHighSports.com and many, many great things going on over there and, of course, previous editions of the Broncos Blitz podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. Going to be an exciting time. Hopefully you join me on Twitter for all the discussion All the things that uh, happen, whether the Broncos trade up, trade down, or stay right where they are. And, of course, hopefully you stick around with the Broncos Blitz podcast and listen to previous uh, or or, uh, future versions of the podcast as we'll be podcasting live on Thursday night, Friday night, with responses to what happens in the first round, day one, second and third rounds, day two and day three, so on and so forth. A very interesting time to be an NFL fan and a Denver Broncos fan as they begin to put together the final pieces of the offseason to try to make this team a playoff team for next year. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. And if you want to listen to future editions or previous editions of the Broncos Blitz podcast, find them at milehighsports.com. That's milehighsports.com. Later, y'all. To listen to previous versions of the Broncos Blitz podcast, visit milehighsports.com or subscribe to the Broncos Blitz wherever you get your podcast.